0: Good morning. Thank you for having me at Coral Springs. We're super excited to be here. My husband, Mike, and I came down yesterday. We haven't been this far to Miami yet because we've only been in Florida for four and a half years. So we're excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. So um, I'm really happy to um, finally get to see this church. I got to be the pastor for Pastor Vidalis's mother for a while, which was really exciting. So, and um, Um, Josiah's uh, sister is one of my best friends. So we have a great connection with this church. So who all here has an Amazon Prime membership? Come on, Amazon Prime members. Woo-hoo! I'm an Amazon girl. If you can't get an Amazon, you don't need it. Amen. Amen. How about a VIP card or maybe you have a gold card? Don't companies love to just offer special access to things for people who are willing to pay extra for it? There's just something that we like about thinking we have something that not everybody else has. Well, when it comes to God, you know, while while everybody has the same exact access to God's love and God's amazing grace, there are parts of what God gives his people that are only available to those who are willing to pay the price. What's the price? Time, devotion, passion, hunger, Thirst. How hungry are we for more of God? You know, in this culture, we're so satisfied with everything. You know, we have a bank account. we got a 401k. You know, we got food in the pantry. What do we need God for? You know, we kind of put God on this back shelf, whereas when you talk about people overseas, they are so hungry for God that, you know, that God really shows up. And how often do we expect God to show up? You know, we're like, well, I've got a doctor. You know, I don't really need, I don't really need God. to have a great doctor. I got a great hospital system. And so, so I think there's a, a level of power and authority that God wants to give his people for those who are willing to go after it. So Jesus went to a cross and died to give us that incredible life of victory, healing, authority, power, joy, love, hope, and peace. But when I look around, and maybe you do too, I see blood-bought daughters and sons of God who are stuck in sin. They're defeated by bad habits. They're, they're under disease. They are li- feeling hopeless. They're living in unforgiveness and in bitterness. And I want to know Why? know, why, when Jesus died, to give us everything, do we live like beggars? And worse, we pray like beggars. We beg God to do things that he commanded us to do. Remember when he said, heal the sick? Cast out demons? He didn't say, ask me to heal the sick. He said, you go do it. When was the last time you laid hands on someone to heal them? The only way we can have access to this incredible incredible, victorious life that we've been promised by God is to have a renewed mind. So we're going to talk a little bit today about having a renewed mind, and I'm going to start with a couple verses. One's from Romans 12. It's up on the screen. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In a second passage, of course, these emphases are mine. Um, Ephesians 4, you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Well, you may say, I already have a renewed mind. I'm saved. I'm under the blood. Well, I'm going to give you a little quiz here to kind of maybe test a little bit how renewed really is, is your mind and how really renewed is my mind. So a couple ways to know your mind is renewed. One is you live in hope and you actually expect things to work out. And that's not based on your circumstances, your external circumstances. It's based on a different reality, a different kingdom. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If your, mind is, if your mind is renewed, you live in hope. Number two way you know your mind is renewed is the impossible seems reasonable. You actually expect God to break into your impossible circumstances and make it bow to Jesus Christ. Do you expect that? Or do you maybe just go, oh God, this terrible thing happening to me. I don't know what to do. But we have the authority to make that stuff bow. We carry the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, and it's powerful. So when we see a problem, we shouldn't say, oh, no, I have a problem. We should say, problem? Amazing. Brilliant. If a problem looks this big, imagine how much bigger is God's promise, possibility, and provision that God is packed in the same exact place in that problem sits. Problems are opportunities for God to show up. Number three way you know your mind is renewed is you live in peace, you don't worry, and your speculations are positive. So let's tackle the worry one first. So who's ever heard someone, or maybe you said it, I inherited worry from my grandmother. (laughs) I'm so proud of it. My whole family's worriers. We've been worriers since way back since the, the, the cave ages. Well, did you know that worry is a sin? Anybody ever tell you that? I can prove it. Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your... Right? And if you're trusting, can you worry and trust at the same time? They're, they are opposite. They're polar opposites. So you cannot trust and worry at the same time. So when our mind is renewed, we actually we don't worry. Instead... We pray, we trust, and we use the authority that we've been given. So your speculations are positive, too. So say, for example, uh, say your husband and wife is home uh, an hour. It's an hour late from work. They're not home yet. Instead of thinking, oh, they're dead in a ditch. Instead, you think, oh, I bet they got called in the boss's office and they just got a promotion. Right? Your speculations are positive. We don't go to the worst possible thing because our minds are renewed with the hope of Jesus Christ. Number four reason you way you know that your mind is renewed is you actually like yourself. You also love yourself, and not only that, you could you love everyone else too, and it's not a struggle because. When your mind is renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's natural to love people. You can hardly help yourself. You're in Walmart, you can't help yourself to just love on people. Who loved on some people last night at Trunk or Treat? Anybody love on some people, some community people, right? You love on people because it's it's the renewed mind. Number five way you know your mind's renewed is you're quick to forgive and you're free to give grace and mercy. So I'm sure I don't need to tell you that That unforgiveness is the deadly poison that you drink, hoping the other person will die. Unforgiveness is the deadly, I didn't make this up, I heard it. Unforgiveness is the, I think it goes back to like the 7th century. So unforgiveness is nothing new. Unforgiveness is the deadly poison that you drink, hoping someone else will die. It's the black widow spider I refuse to play with. Do you go into your crawl space and look for black widow spiders to play with? Hope not. We offer forgiveness and grace to people. I'll say put it this way. I offer forgiveness and grace to people today because tomorrow I'm going to need it. Right? Do you ever need some little forgiveness coming your way? Right? Well, then when we start to give it out, it starts coming back when we need it. Number six way you know your mind's renewed. You're confident and you're thankful. How do you make sure your confidence doesn't step the line over into arrogance? Gratitude. You cannot be uh, thankful and arrogant at the same time, but you can be confident and thankful at the same time. And the seventh way I'm going to mention, and I'm sure there are more, that you know your mind's renewed is that you believe in others, and you give them the benefit of the doubt. Isn't it interesting how we judge our lives by our good intentions, no matter what actually happened, it's our good intentions we judge. But when it comes to other people, we judge them by their actions, right? A little harsher, wouldn't you say? You, mo- you know your mind's new when you give people the benefit of the doubt. So I have a little uh, story, a-, a lady I served, my very first church when I was a pastor, became a pastor, was in Delaware, and there was an old saint of the church. Everybody knows who I'm talking about, the old saint of the church who's been here since 1885. They donated the organ, right? And her name was Thelma. She, I just went to her 95th birthday party uh, a couple weeks ago. It was up in Delaware. And I, when I became a pastor, um, I came from corporate sales. What did I know about being a pastor? She and her husband taught me how to be a pastor. I mean, I'd been to seminary. I'm not saying I didn't go to seminary. But, like, <laughs> I, when I was a lay person, I, I got saved at 38 so I didn't grow up in the church like maybe many of, you, many of you did. So I didn't understand how churches like functioned, you know. And so I never sat in an administrative council meeting. I'd never been to sound Parish, never been a trustees. I had done like praise team, dance team. I had done a lot of things as a layperson. But she and her husband taught me how to be a pastor. And I'll never forget that. So one day Thelma says, she says, well, this is what happens when, when someone doesn't, kind of overlooks her or maybe is kind of unkind to her or just doesn't treat her right, instead of immediately just judging them and going, I just can't believe how the person acted. Did you see how she treated me? She didn't even talk to me when she walked down the hallway. This is what Thelma says. I bet she had a headache. She gave him the benefit of the doubt. Right? When our mind is renewed, we give people the benefit of the doubt. So now, for, do we have any scientific or analytical thinkers in the room? You, you can admit it. Analytical thinkers, scientific thinkers. Okay, we have one, a couple honest people in here. We're... <laughs> right? You, you think analytically, nothing wrong with it, right? So for you folks and everyone else has to listen anyway, I'm going to talk to you about what a renewed mind looks like when science gets involved. So if you could show the picture of the neuropathways up there. So this is a neuropathway. So this is what your brain looks like on the inside and, or at least part of it. And a neuropathway is, is a way where thought patterns travel. So do you notice how some of these are very thick and some of them are very thin? So what happens in your mind is when you have a certain way of thinking about the certain situations, your brain will form a very thick, narrow pathway to that line of thinking. And then other lines of thinking only have a very narrow little pathway. So for example, so if if your normal thought pattern is, nobody likes me, and you walk past someone and they don't say hi, your automatic neural pathway has a six-lane highway to nobody likes me, but it only has a tiny little walking path that's treacherous to they didn't see me. And so what happens is our brains are like our bodies. They're often very lazy. They want to do the thing that's going to take the least amount of energy. So when it has a thought, it wants to use the least amount of energy. And so to have the least amount of energy, it uses a thought pattern it's used to. So there's a lot of... um, neuropathways and ways of thinking mindsets that we have, they're not, they're not godly and they're not renewed. And a lot of them, they're not even our fault. They are based on lies that people told us. And often they told us to them at a very young age. So lies like, you were an accident. You're the wrong gender. You deserve to be beaten What that person did to you, you had it coming. These are lies that are planted. We think they're planted by people like parents and other people who are terribly misguided, but they're planted by the enemy to create in our minds pathways that will lead us down the wrong path and away from the truth of God. And so... When we renew our minds by the Holy Spirit, what happens is we actually create new neural pathways. So say, for example, if the person who has that that mindset, nobody likes me. Say, for example, they open up the word. Your Bible doesn't have to be hot pink, by the way. When they open up their Bible and they start to study about what God says about them, about how they are created for a purpose, how they have a life that means something, how they were not an accident, how they were they were created before the world was created, how their their bodies, their minds are precious, how they were their blood bought, and Jesus died for them, it starts to create a different neural pathway so that when that thought comes, nobody likes me. That's a little tr- tiny treacherous walking path where it's a six-lane highway to God loves me. Not only does he love me, but he gives me the power to live a victorious life and a power to cast out lies. L- uh, lying and lies are the, really the only true tool of the enemy that actually has any power. It's lies. And so... I'm going to tell you a little story about when God created a new uh, neural pathway in my mind. So from my earliest memories, I'm going back to grade school. I don't have a lot of super like early memories under five. But from grade school age going forward, I had have struggled with a food addiction. And it, I never got to the point where I was um, purging, but I, I was a binge eater. I overate consistently and often, and especially sugar, sugar, um, who knows that sugar is 10 times more addictive than cocaine? It's true. They've shown a picture of a brain lit up on sugar and a brain lit up on cocaine. They look exactly the same. So my whole life, like I said, I was raised in Christian science. I didn't meet Jesus until I was 38. So I, um, my whole life I had struggled with this food addiction. All the way up to my salvation, past my salvation, still struggling. I get called into ordaining ministry to become a pastor. I'm still struggling. I'm in seminary. I'm still struggling. I'm still fighting. And in one Wesleyan class on Wesleyan theology, the professor was, um, made us read all 52 of John Wesley's sermons. Now, come on. Has anyone ever read one of them? It's like wading through quicksand. It's like, the, it's like incredible. Anyway, so we had to read all of them, and I had to read this one called When You Fast. Anybody ever read that, that, um, that sermon, When You Fast? In other words, it's not if you fast, it's when you fast, just for everyone to remember that. Um, and, he, and I was so inspired when I was reading the sermon. I was like, oh my gosh, God's calling me to this fast. And when I finish this fast, this food addiction is going to be done. And I was like so excited, and I was like, I started this fast, and I didn't know how long it was going to last, so I was going to let the Lord tell me, and it was five days into the fast, and it was the end of the fifth day, and I felt the Lord release me from the fast. And so I'm like so excited, right? So I, I said, okay, well, I'm going to eat something, you know, because I'm hungry. Five days of no food, I'm hungry. And so I started eating, and I couldn't stop. And thank you for not laughing, because when I tell the story, often people laugh. Because when we're nervous, we laugh. And I can tell you, it was not funny. It was devastating. Because I had just gone hungry for five days for nothing. Or so I thought. So a week later, the professor is preaching about a point of Wesleyan theology from Romans 6, which Romans 6 is my favorite chapter now because of this testimony. So he says... Wesley talked about how after, after salvation, sin remains, but it cannot reign. Sin remains, but cannot reign. And I thought about that, and I thought, well, that's a nice thought, but it isn't true. Because in my life, sin is reigning in my life, in this area. Not in every area, but in this area of my life, sin was reigning. So this it isn't true. And the Holy Spirit immediately just went, bing! You've been li- believing a lie. So what was the lie? The lie was is that that food, the addiction, the food, the temptation to eat, whatever you want to call it, was more powerful than I was. And I believed that lie, hook, line, and sinker. I believed it with every cell of my being that I was powerless and that it was powerful. And the Holy Spirit said, no, that's a lie. You are powerful. It has no power if if you know the truth. And I will tell you at that very second I got a whole new set of neural pathways that said, You are not powerless under sin. You are powerful because you have the truth. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And I was free. And I knew I was so free. I drove to my favorite little country store and I bought my favorite candy because in the past, before this, I would go buy the candy and I would eat half of it on the way home and throw the other half out the window to stop from eating it. And that sounds funny too, but it wasn't funny, right? This is addiction. I bought that candy. I had, I think I ate one piece a day or maybe two little pieces a day until it was gone. It had no power over me. And from that day till today, I can, I'm not going to tell you I've never eaten maybe a little more than I should. Everyone indulges a little bit now and then. But I've never felt powerless, not once, because God recreated my mind. He renewed my mind with his power. So everyone in Christ has access to the Holy Spirit. The key is, how do you get more? Don't you want more? Don't you want more power? I do. Just like the backstage pass costs more than the ticket to the concert, so does access to the mind of God come when we're only when we're willing to pay the price to daily enter into the delight of spending time with God. I didn't say discipline of spending time with God. I said delight. Who's ever read a book about spiritual disciplines? Like, you just don't even want to open that book. Nobody likes disciplines. How about entering into the delight of God? Like, setting, like I have a chair in my house, and we have a small house, because we're, we're retired. I mean, I'm not retired, but my husband's retired. We have a little retirement house, and it's not very big. I can't get away to, like, a whole new wing of the house or anything, but I have a chair, and that's my Jesus chair. And when I go into that, I'm in the secret place of the Most High, and I commune with my Father, and I spend time there because that's the price, right? If you really want more of God, you know, just, you can't build a marriage if you don't spend time together. You can't build a relationship with God without time and devotion and passion, hunger, thirst, um, to enter into God, um, enter to God's uh, presence. There's a wonderful book called Soaking um, that I read, I think back in 2014, I went to a conference. I highly recommend this book if you're interested in knowing and, and getting to some really practical, like, how do I do this soaking thing? How do I really spend more time in that presence and the secret place, the most high, where I can make it work? Because does your mind ever wander when you Pray, or am I the only one? Okay, so this book will, will help guide you and to learn how to, spend, how to spend time with the Holy Spirit in a guided way so that you, you, you keep from that, that wandering mind. There's soaky music There's all kinds of wonderful things. And so I wish I could tell, tell you that you could experience the deepest things of God by reading one page out of a devotional and then giving God your litany of to-do lists and then leaving. Like, I wish I could tell you that that was the secret to more of God. You know, but it just isn't. And, if, and we all have exactly the amount of the Holy Spirit we want. When I first heard that, I was devastated because I wanted more, and I wasn't sure I was willing to sacrifice more. But when we sacrifice, we can find it without limit. So this is my, the last thing I'm going to say. I don't have my phone up here, but anybody has a smartphone in this room? Anybody have a smartphone? Okay. So when you, if you look at your smartphone, and you look at what's on the hard drive, is everything you need during the day on the hard drive, or is it somewhere else? It's up in the internet, right? Most of what you do on your phone is up in the internet. It's not on your phone. Well, it's the same way with us. So our, we have this brain, and there's a certain amount of stuff on the hard drive. But what, most of what we need is from the Holy Spirit is not on the hard drive. It's accessible only through the Holy Spirit to get to God. So in the same way we, we use our phones as a pathway to get the stuff we need to do our jobs and manage our life, we can only have a victorious life by getting the access to, the Holy, to God through the Holy Spirit as that pathway to the, um, the incredible intelligence of the Holy Spirit and the power and the passion of life with a renewed mind.